0: good morning uh, man i love uh, love his selections this morning very very much fits with message uh and eric's good at that um i saw a comment alan Kidd. hey alan um he said and i'm not sure whether he he said this or melanie phillips said this but uh, isn't technology wonderful I would say yes to that. I mean, I'm so thankful right now for technology and being able to reach you all. I can't tell you how important it is for us to see the good mornings and who's watching. Uh, it's not easy to preach to a camera. I think I've said this before, but it's so much easier to know who's watching uh, and who I'm speaking to. I'm so glad you're here, even all the way from, uh, where was it, Wisconsin? Uh so good that you're back with us, Jenny, from the cul-de-sac. Uh, we've never met, I'm glad you're here. So we have different folks that we're meeting, and, and Jason Widis. man, uh, I would love to see you face-to-face, you and that family and those, those uh, girls that are growing up. I will say this about technology, we are uh, definitely having conversations about uh, uh, possible upgrade to equipment and some things like that, that we could continue this, that even while we're together, uh, that, that we might be able to continue an online uh, uh, service, uh, to be able to re- not just record it, but, but have it come on live. We especially think that's important for our military, uh, guys who are overseas, those who are unable to come uh, to our service, uh, so that's just something that we are thinking of and hoping so pray that up uh, when we are that glorious day that when we're able to come together that uh, we could still have some some folks uh, and again we're thinking about soldiers we, we know a family in Belgium that's joined us from time to time uh, that's a part of us uh, that that uh, also has has been taking these in and so it's important to us if we're able to minister we, we don't want to lose, the coming together, though, ever. Right, so I want to say that. Uh, earlier this week, I saw a message, or listened to a message from Greg Lowry and uh, Laurie, and and uh, maybe you're familiar with him, but something caught my attention that he said. He said Christians are like tea bags, uh, meaning that you don't know what you have until it is placed in hot water, and and so maybe we're considering this this time the difficulties that we're facing uh, as as being. Hot water, uh, thinking that uh, the troubles that that come, it, it kind of brings out who we truly are. And so, uh, I my quick question for you this morning is: How are you doing? How are you doing with that and in circumstance, or how are, how do you do through the difficulties, the frustrations that hit? Uh, is that faithfulness in God? Is that is that shining through? Is that noticeable? Uh, today we're starting a series simply call this, Daniel. Uh, and uh, uh, so so as as we approach this next week, I'm going to already encourage you to read chapter 2. Uh, hopefully those some of you got the message throughout the week that, that we're reading and you're already prepared by reading this first chapter. Uh, but Daniel uh, simply is this. We're going to walk through this book of Daniel. Now Daniel and his three comrades we'll call them, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, these Four young men uh, were you, you might say they were in hot water they're in captivity in Babylon uh, they're living in a foreign place exiled uh, to, to uh, let's just name it a pagan or a godless uh, nation and so they are definitely in, in hot water and throughout the book of Daniel we're going to see how these young men stood in that hot water uh, and and so uh, I, I think it's an appropriate just a, an excellent uh, opportunity to, to maybe maybe even just an obvious uh, book to go through uh, for our encouragement to challenge us, and also to strengthen us in our relationship with such a mighty and wonderful God uh, love the the last song comes to mind he is good he is absolutely good Um First question I want to answer this morning is, how did Daniel and his three cool uh, comrades, how, how did they end up uh, in, in Babylon as captives? And I want to just go back and, and look at it a little bit before. Matter of fact, I want to read just the first couple of verses of, of Daniel chapter 1. There it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came in to Jerusalem and, sieged, and besieged it and the Lord delivered Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hand along with some of the articles from the temple of God I want to stop there uh, maybe the simple answer you'll, you'll see is as I read through there but in verse 2 it says and the Lord delivered king Jehoiakim uh, king of Judah into his hand so it, it it was God delivering his people into, the, into that nation of Babylon. Um, it was discipline. It was discipline. We know in, in previous uh, uh, prophecy, uh, probably the closest was from Jeremiah 25. Even during that time of Jehoiakim, he warned. He said, because you have listened not, not listened to my words, I will summon all, summon all the peoples of the north and my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, declares the Lord, and I will bring them against all the surrounding nations. So in an in a earlier prophecy, he said, you know, it's going to be Nebuchadnezzar, it's going to be Babylon, and they're going to come up against not only you, but all the nations around you. And so the warning was laid out. But even closer than that, and more specifically concerning Daniel and 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 uh, Hananiah, Mishael and Nazariah, uh, this prophecy was said uh, anywhere from 70, 80, 80 years prior out of... Uh, uh, out of Isaiah chapter thirty-nine verse seven, speaking to Hezekiah, a previous king of Judah who was, who was an idolater and and was evil. Uh, here's what uh, the prophet Isaiah said to him: Some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you, will be taken away, and they will become eunuchs in in the palace of the king of Babylon. They're gonna, they're gonna find themselves. These young men of that family is gonna find themselves in the palace or in the, in in the kingdom of of, uh, um, of Babylon. Now, uh, in in the scripture, it said that he took some kingdom art, or some some temple uh, articles at, at, from the temple and took it to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar also took uh, some of the royal family uh, also to Babylon. I believe this was uh, taken, taking these items away specifically was to weaken Jehoiakim, who he left there in charge of Jerusalem still, even after he conquered it, but left them in a weakened state. There were two other deportations after this that would come later. Uh, it was still under the control of Babylon. In the meantime, the first deportation included the young men I just mentioned: Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and uh, uh, Azariah and Mishael. Um, so, uh, what? Where, where the story actually begins is this man Ashpenaz was given responsibility for all those taken out of the royal family of, of Judah and and so it wasn't just these four men there were a number of other young men from Israel and from Judah uh, who were put under the care of Ashpenaz Ashpenaz had the responsibility to train and prepare these all these young men uh, who were probably in the range of uh, age 14 up to 19 years old they were teenagers and uh, he was giving them responsibility to prepare them for it to, to serve in the court of the king. And he had three years to do it in. In that time, he taught them uh, language and the literature from Babylon. So there was education going on concerning the Babylonian ways. Also, the food, uh, the food that they were fed was Babylonian. It was not only Babylonian, but it was from the table of the kings, who was the choicest food. But also they changed their names. Those three things were listed in the scripture as, as to going on. Uh, they changed their names to Babylonian names. Names that reflected the gods that they serve and, and and names that they were very much familiar with. All this was to indoctrinate these young men from a foreign land into the Babylonian ways. Now, th- now, now, not all these men were godly men. I believe... Uh, it, it especially points out Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah as those men who were dedicated to God uh, in this scripture. They were godly men living in ungodly circumstances in this pagan area. And it, Which again, I, I'd say this, this book of Daniel is going to be encouraging for us. And for this reason, the world around us is ungodly. The, in our community we see ungodliness we deal with ungodliness every day and yet you and I as believers are called to live godly lives so we're going to find encouragement in the attitude and actions of these young men throughout this book of Daniel I want to start here there's a couple of traits I believe that's obvious within this first chapter that that I that, that draws them out different than than the others who have been deported the others who were brought in uh, to to this area. Um, Daniel, first of all, Daniel and his his friends had an attitude of cooperation, not rebellion. Now, you can imagine being taken from your home and taken to a foreign land, a pagan nation, uh, that everything is different. Uh, It would, matter of fact, I would even have an understanding Uh, why someone would be filled with resentment to that kingdom. A resentment, and and even from that resentment, uh, show forth a rebelliousness instead of cooperation. But Daniel and his friends uh, only exhibited uh, cooperation throughout all of Daniel, all, all 12 chapters of Daniel. You just don't see resentment or rebellion towards this nation or towards Nebuchadnezzar. Instead, uh, it was cooperation. And even it, well, part, of, part of the reason I see that is because Ashpenaz, there's one thing that Daniel and his friends uh, did not want to do. And, and he approached and that was to eat the, the choice foods. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But, but in, in bringing that matter, he took it to Ashpenaz and, and asked, made a request, uh, just give us vegetables and water. It wasn't out of anger or resentment. And, and even when Ashpenaz responded, Ashpenaz said, hey, wait a minute. This this is my job. I, I'm to present you uh, ready for the king. And if, if you show up scrawny and weak, and that's what vegetables do to you. Uh, if you show up scrawny and weak just with water and vegetables, then it's going to reflect on me. And it's my responsibility. I'm going to have to answer to the king. And Daniel said, hey, uh, test this for 10 days. Tessa's for ten days, and Ashmanaz followed through and found out. Wow, what a difference! Yeah, they look great. So they were just given vegetables and, and water. There was that sense of a cooperation that I, I see within uh, this passage. Now Daniel and his friends just didn't cooperate. I, I think we see them going beyond cooperation to be a benefit to their captors. They that that, that steps beyond, doesn't it? But they had the attitude of of cooperating with their captors. And, and especially when you see the end result of all that Ashpenaz invested in. You know, that, through the training, uh, there was no arguing about the names. Uh, the only thing was the food, but, but the end result was this. In verse 19, it comes along and says, the king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, so they entered the king's service. And he goes on. He says, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. So, so uh, they they didn't refuse the training. Let's put it this way: uh, that that they accepted. They you know they didn't have the attitudes. of well, we're not going to learn. We're not going to uh, learn your language. We're going to be rebellious. We're, we're disgruntled. But instead, they. Excelled they excelled and and resentment and rebellion doesn't bring about this kind of results along with that uh, to, to see what happened. God blessed them. God blessed uh, these young men with wisdom and and with knowledge uh, And it was preparing them to serve Nebuchadnezzar well Now this attitude of cooperation. I, I want to say because this is the bottom line the attitude of cooperation reveals that these young men were humble. They were, they were actually humble and, and submissive to their captives, but overall, I believe it reveals that they were submissive to their God. They were submissive and cooperative with their God. You see, Daniel and, and, and these all four of these, these young men, I believe, knew why they were in captivity. They knew it was discipline before God, uh, and and that it was not just because it was stated before, but later on Daniel in chapter nine, beginning of verse seven, Daniel identifies the fact that man, we're full of shame. Uh, listen, here's what he says: Lord, you are righteous, but that but this day we are covered with shame the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to to you. So Daniel knew why they were there, that Nebuchadnezzar was uh, being used by God to uh, to discipline all of Judah, all of Israel, uh, uh, for for God's purposes, now uh, again, through this humility, I believe that God blessed and strengthened, and and uh, uh, made uh, Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and, and Azariah uh, a, a significant bonus for Nebuchadnezzar and for the the kingdom of Babylon. Now uh, we're you know we think about I, I said this earlier that here we are, you know in a yeah, we, we have to say you know we like to think that we have a godless nation but we are sliding more and more to ungodliness I, I i believe you see that in our own nation uh there are there are leadership out there there's some godly leadership which we're really thankful for but there's some ungodly leadership as well ungodly politicians and and in no way are we called to be disrespectful or rebellious against those authorities that god has placed over us Matter of fact, that's what Paul told told the Romans, the Roman believers in in chapter 13, verse one. He said, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Uh, We, you know, let's look look at Daniel and think, man, he had every reason to be resentful and rebellious, and yet he knew that God, even in these circumstances, that he is still under control. And that he uh, and and to serve God and to be humble before God is also to be serving those who are in authority over him. I think that that's the place where where we stand also. And in the, in this time, we might not be in agreement with everything that the government has done in response to this. And and there's new things we're finding out. But ultimately, our response has to be to to be respecting the governing authorities and acting upon. Uh, you know the direction that they're they're leading us the second trait that I wanted to share with you this morning is that Daniel did not compromise his faith in God Daniel did not compromise his faith in God Uh, there was a wonderful table set before him and it was it was it was great food all kinds of meats and wine set upon the table and this is that one place that Daniel made the request to Aspen as he said man I we we don't want to defile ourselves with this food i i was trying to think what this this might look like and and i'm i will i will admit to you i'm a meat lover uh i the one restaurant that that uh is just like a a a meat lover's paradise is fogo de chow in kansas city we went there and i was amazed we sat at the table and they had uh in, in the center of this restaurant they had uh, a kind of a buffet. It, w- it, was a, a, it was a huge buffet with salads and vegetables and all kinds of fruits and 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 things like that that you could go fill up your plate and eat. And uh, and and I I didn't shed a tear over that stuff. I wasn't excited about that at all. But then when the main course was being served, there were guys with large skewers walking well with big chunks of meat on it. I mean just. Wonderful looking uh, chunks of meat, beef. Uh, there was chicken. There was uh, uh, lamb. Uh, there there was all kinds of meat that they were presenting, and that's kind of what I imagine this table was like. There's all kinds of meat presented before them that they turned down, uh, that they they turned their backs on. And now I don't believe that Daniel and his friends were vegans or, or vegetarians uh, up, up to this point. I believe that they that back in 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 Jerusalem they were eating the meat that they were allowed uh to, to have uh one of the reasons why they turned their back on it had to be uh, something because of the laws there were certain meats that were unclean as well as there were meats that were clean and and they partook of of the meat that was clean you know pork and, and different things were uh if they were to eat of it would have gone against God's laws. That would have been defiling. So that's one place where we go to, but also to understand the culture of these nations, that, that they were respectful and honoring of their so-called gods, little g, non-existent gods, but they held to these gods. And, and the meat and, and, and uh, the wine that was presented for the king and, and, and for uh, these students, you might call them, uh, these exiles, uh, was meat that was offered and dedicated to their gods. Therefore, Daniel saw that that partaking of such uh, food would be defiling of themselves before their God. Here's what, here's what Daniel said. This is a key verse in all of chapter one. Verse eight says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself himself this way. He resolved in his heart. He took a stand not to defile himself with this royal food and wine. He took a stand. Um, I, I think about this. You know, uh, each, each one of these, uh, all, all four of these young men uh, decided not to eat at this table and to eat vegetables and water depend upon God for their true nourishment. I believe that it wasn't just the vegetables and this healthy eating. I I believe that God actually blessed because of the stand that they took. And and God gives blessings to those who are faithful to him and and who uh, seek him out in in all things. Now this was a small act that took place in chapter one. Uh, What's coming? Uh, what they're going to face later on is, as a matter of fact, even challenging for their lives. It was death uh, that they were going to face where they would were going to take a stand. But it began here in the simple things. You know, in our own lives, we're called to some simple things. matter of fact, uh, going to the New Testament, I think about what Paul said. You know, here we are, new in Christ. First Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15.1 Paul, Paul said this is where we were here, here just a little while, our last uh, uh, series. Uh, in that passage, Paul identified that, that believers, those in Christ are those who take a stand. We stand upon the fact that Jesus died for our sins. He, he was buried and he rose again. He died for our sins. Therefore, we take a stand no longer to live in that sinfulness. Paul also said it this way he said we are no longer uh, we will no longer conform to the patterns of this world but we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our minds that being cleansed in the blood of Jesus and now uh, that Holy Spirit dwelling within us that we're we're people who are transformed uh, in Jesus Christ we actually are foreigners in this ungodly world first Peter chapter 2 verse 11 matter of fact. Peter identifies us as, as uh, uh, foreigners and exiles. He says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which wage against your soul. You hear that? Uh, now, now, Peter was speaking to, to people who, who were spread out and they might've been exiles. A matter of fact, the beginning of uh, first Peter, he addresses exiles. And I, I, I do seriously wonder was he speaking to the Jews that were dispersed, and and that had to be in his mind? But in a in a previous verse, before he calls those who are reading this foreigners and exiles, here's what he said. I don't. And this this will sound familiar because I've said this over and over again. Here, here's Peter identifying who we are as believers. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That's our identity. Let's see, this world is not our home. Uh, The nation, the kingdom that we belong to is eternal and it's heavenly. Uh, I'm I'm an American, but first of all, I I belong to the kingdom of God. Today, I belong to the kingdom of God. You belong to the kingdom of God if you are in Jesus Christ. And therefore, we take a stand uh, definitely against the sinfulness of this world and we take a stand by not being a part of sin. Peter goes on and he says, uh, he says again, to abstain from sinful desires, to flee from sinfulness, to, to wage uh, war, uh, the, the, the sin that wages war against us. We are to take a stand. Um, we need to understand that, that Daniel, here's here's an example. Uh, and, and this again was a simple thing. It was It was food. And, and, and he said, I'm going to deny ourselves this because this is food that's dedicated or, or dedicated or sacrificed to, uh, uh, to your gods. But I serve a living God. I, I serve the one and only God, the Alpha, the Omega, uh, Jehovah, uh, God of Israel. Uh, and, and we're not going to serve any. I love his commitment. I love his taking a stand. That's you and I today. That's you and I today. We have the opportunity. Even in the simple things, we find a sinfulness uh, around us. It is worth abstaining from. It is worth fleeing from. It is worth overcoming. It, it, if, it is, if it is gluttony, if it is self-centeredness, if it is lust, if it is greed, uh, it, you name the sin, it's all around us and we can't be a part of it. Why? because we take our stand upon what Jesus has done for us. He has removed our sinfulness in order for us to live representing God in his kingdom, living for his God today. Listen, those two things, those two traits that Daniel and his his, uh, 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 fellow exiles exhibited are, are the same kind of attitudes that we need to exhibit today. That is is a a sense of cooperation and and even to go beyond that through humility uh, to to see if we could be a benefit to the community around us. To love them and and to seek to to use what God has given us to be a benefit to the community around us. And also in no way to compromise uh, to the sinfulness of this world, but to stand on the faith of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you the question one more time. How are you doing? Are you overcoming? Are you standing strong to the God who, de- who deserves our best, our best life? Uh, what's wonderful is when we do fail, man, we're able to, to ask for forgiveness. We're able to, to, to continue in that kingdom. It doesn't exclude us at all. And he forgives us and gives us opportunity to continue to live for him. I, I just ask you today, uh, uh, maybe you've never received Jesus. I, I, it, this is the difficult part, but we, we want to know if, if you're ready, if you're ready to receive Jesus as a savior and to come into this kingdom, this eternal kingdom, and to be a foreigner in this uh, ungodly world, to, to be able to live for him. Uh, if, if that's a, a decision you wanna make, let us know uh, we the baptism is still there everything's still in place we haven't removed anything the baptistry still there. It's still full of water if someone's ready to receive christ that's a part if you don't understand that I'd love to talk to you if if you need repentance today if you need repentance today then we're going to pray and and we're just asking that god forgives and that God uh, restores within us that good spirit and continues to lead us to live for him and for his kingdom. Let's do that together. Father in heaven, we praise you. We thank you always for Jesus. This is encouraging to many many of us, Lord, that even through difficulties, Lord, we are able to serve you. And when difficulties comes, Lord, we, we know it doesn't matter where we are, location, even if we're in a foreign place, Lord, there you are with us. And Father, that even when the difficulties comes, Lord, you haven't haven't left us. You are right there. So Father, we praise you for the faith that we could place in you. And we praise you, Lord, that you are truly a good God and worthy of our praise and worthy of of, uh, uh, lives to be lived for you. So we ask, Lord, that if there is a need of repentance amongst the people that are listening and being a part of this, Lord, we, we pray that their heart will come to that repentance. And if there is a need of the beginnings, Lord, I pray that uh, those will have the boldness to, to move forward with that and, and to ask and, and uh, have us uh, to, to find the understanding of why Jesus came and, and, and how he has uh, uh, taken our place uh, for our punishment. Lord, we pray that uh, you strengthen us as a body. Help us, Lord, every day to abstain from the sinfulness of this world, to live as foreigners and strangers in this world forever. God, you're good, and we praise you always for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.